Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome everybody to Paradox. I am Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are extraordinarily pleased today to have Carlos Whitaker. And Carlos is an author, a speaker, a disruptor, a moment maker, a spider killer, and a hope dealer. That's a long resume. Seriously. I mean, gosh, guys, that's yeah, that, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> yeah, you know. Back, that basically means that 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 bio basically means I have no idea what to do with my life. Exactly. <laughs> what that means. So you need to get a job, basically. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm unemployed, but it sounds really good. Well, I think it was last season we were talking to Erwin McManus, and you know, on his he just has iconoclast. And I went, I went, man, I love that. I think I'm going to have that put on my business card. And he said, yeah, if you have a business card, you're not You're one. not an iconoclast. <laughs> so, so I'm really curious. What makes you a hope dealer? Unless I'm not keeping up with the street slang for like crack cocaine. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, gosh, I just feel like it is my, um, at least right now in this season of life, uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm slinging hope left and right, you know, so whether it be speaking about being a dad, uh, and, and a moment maker for your kids, uh, you know, just kind of showing the everyday normal dad that, uh, there is hope, uh, for not just existing through this thing called fatherhood, not just existing through this thing, uh, being a spouse. Um, but there's, there's such hope in that. And then also, obviously that was like my, my first book was really kind of slinging hope with making moments. And this next mm -hmm. kind of version of my ministry is just kind of slinging hope to people that have suffered and have not been free from, you know, addictions and things their entire life. That that hope is real and that freedom is near. And so that's kind of all I, all I want to talk about, man, is, is just is hope all the time. And so that's why I kind of call myself a hope dealer. That's fantastic. You know, just since you started talking, I'm feeling better about myself. Well, see, good. You are very enthusiastic. Maybe I can I can open up a clinic and you just talk yes, to people. They don't even have to say anything back. Right in the nose. Yeah, I, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to start flinging hope. Yeah, well, Jimbo has absolutely nothing to have hope over, but he's still know, feeling it. That's pretty amazing. I'm on the backside of this thing. I'm heading downhill. <laughs> I need Carlos? to know which one of you guys, which one of you guys, I'm looking at your picture right now on my phone, and I'm trying to figure out whose voice is whose. Yes, look at that picture. Who's the most intelligent looking? <laughs> The, the one in the black shirt, for sure. Well, yes. The one in the black exactly. shirt. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Josh, I'm the younger one. Yeah. Oh, got it. There you go. There you go. I'm the one that is not young. When I was young, my stomach was still an internal organ. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> be here all Good week. Joke. Carlos, your current book, or the one that's going to be out in October, is called Kill the Spider, Getting Rid of uh, What's Really Holding You Back. And I love, ah, until I read it, I didn't, you know, I saw the book, but I didn't get this. You said you can't just clear away the cobwebs. You have to find the spider, the source of the issue, and take it out. That it's not enough just to stop doing something destructive. 
but you have to get to the core of why you're doing something destructive. Tell us about it. You know, uh, you know, and for me, I mean, what you just said is it's, it's common sense. Everybody knows it, but not until I, my dad told me the story of a, of a woman who came forward at a revival of his when he was in his twenties. Um, and she pray she asked that my dad would pray that God would clean the cobwebs out of her life. And, um, my dad said that he prayed that and it was an older lady and he prayed that. And then the next night of the revival, she came forward and asked for that same prayer. Can you pl- pray that God, God cleans the cobwebs out of my life? And he said, oh, I prayed that last night, but I'll pray it again. And then he said, the last night of the revival, this woman comes forward again and says, can you pray one more time that God cleans the cobwebs out of my life? And my dad said he looked her square in the eyes and said, no, actually, we're done praying that. That's the wrong prayer. <laughs> we're we're not going to pray that. We're going to pray that he kills the spider oh, in your life. Good. And, Too good. And, it's, and I tell you what, when he said that to me, it's like everything just made sense. He goes, God, listen, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs of sin in your life. I've watched you. You're a professional cobweb cleaner. You need to kill the spider. And that was kind of the turning point for me. And obviously where the book is named after that, um, where I realized that I had spent my entire life in ministry as a leader and as a husband cleaning the cobwebs and not getting to the the root and the core, what was creating the cobwebs. And so that that's what Kill the Spider is all about. And you kind of began speaking about it, but kind of give us events surrounding your life, whether it's childhood or young adulthood, that kind of led to writing the book. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've i grown up in, um, in, in ministry, and my dad was a minister, and man, I've got, I've got all the Bible verses. Uh, I, I know them inside out and, you know, then, then started, you know, went to college and um, immediately planted a church with some friends and was on staff at that church for 10 years and then signed a record deal with Integrity Music and, you know, toured the world with Integrity and did that. And I mean, I, I've, I've been in, I've been in the church or in church leadership my entire life, but I kept running into the same issues over and over again. I kept kind of, as my therapist would say, rubbing crap on my blessings over and over again. And and I, I needed to figure out why, why was it that I did that? And there, there was a, you know, we all have that kind of, that, that point of breaking in our lives where, you know, you have a decision to make. You can either chase after light or chase after darkness. And I had this moment in my life. My marriage fell apart six years ago. Um, and I was left alone living in some in another family's home by myself. And I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to simply try to clean the cobwebs. Again, fix my marriage, right? So that, that would be cleaning the cobwebs. I just want to fix my marriage, five steps to a better marriage, as opposed to, no, actually at this point, I've got to find the root of these behaviors, the root of these issues, and and kill the spider. And so, you know, even to get a little bit more practical to for your listeners, a, a spider, as I define in the book, is... An, an agreement that you've made with a lie and at some point in your journey, you, whether it be in childhood, uh, and a lot of these things happen in childhood, but you, you make an agreement, whether consciously or subconsciously, with a lie that has you bound for, for the rest of your life. And what ends up happening is there's medicating behaviors that bring false comfort to that lie. And so those I describe in the book as cobwebs. And so cobwebs are those medi- medicating behaviors, whether it be alcohol or anger or pornography or whatever, whatever those things, they don't have to be that dirty and hairy and ugly. They don't have to be so, so gruesome looking. There can be, you know, really simple things that actually beautiful things that can turn into cobwebs in your life. But those are, are things that bring false comfort to the spiders. And so 
as opposed to just cleaning out the cobwebs. And for me, at different points in my journey, the cobwebs look different, but they were all medicating one common lie. And that lie is what I had to get to uh, in order to kill and and finally get past that thing that was really holding me back. That's very, very nice. So because I'm taking notes. So if I get this right. I'm supposed to kill the crap and not rub the spider into the blessing. I'm trying to get my metaphor down. I don't don't know if that's right or not, but I'm going to put it down on a bumper sticker and sell it on my website. You mentioned in your book regarding your own personal anxiety. Kind of was that part of the cobweb that you were dealing with? Yes, absolutely. You've got it right. So, you know, I had at at one point in my journey – so, you know, and, and here's the thing, anxiety and depression, I, I 100% understand that there's serotonin levels that fall out of balance. There's things you can do, exercise, medication, food, counseling, therapy to get those things right. But what ended up happening for me was that I, when I was 20, oh man, I can't remember how old, 25 maybe, and I had my first panic attack and suddenly anxiety came over my life and gripped me. I made an agreement because I prayed that God would get rid of this anxiety. I prayed every day, like for a week, right? Every day, oh God, make it go away. I'd wake up the next morning, still got it. Wake up the next morning, still got it. So I made an agreement that God had abandoned me and that I'm gonna be stuck with anxiety for the rest of my life. Well, guess what ends up happening? I'm stuck with anxiety for the rest of my life because I make this agreement with a lie. And so that anxiety um, ended up being something that I was bound to. And here's, here's the crazy thing, you know, is that, is that for some of us, anxiety and depression and these issues of mental health, um, they can completely control every part of your story or you can come back in control of your story and not let that be the loudest thing in your life. And when that starts happening, you start chopping away at that spider. I love this idea of being bound to the agreement you made with the lie. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost the imagery that came up is you're a slave to the spider. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, you're, you're, you're a slave. You are bound. You're, you're in, um, you're, you're in a cage or in a prison cell and you really are. Our words are so powerful. Words are such powerful things. And, you know, I, I realized a year ago, it's only a year ago that I had been binding myself to my spider by doing this. And, and it was actually a, I, what I thought was a positive thing. I would, I would say, and I kind of became like a, in, in a small circle, a poster child for a Christian leader that is vulnerable enough to admit he struggles with anxiety. And what I would do is I would tell the world, Hey, I'm Carlos. I struggle with anxiety. God's given me enough strength to live my life with anxiety. And if you struggle with anxiety, you have enough strength to live with it too. Well, little did I know that, although I'm trying to encourage people by that, what I'm doing is I'm literally binding myself more and more by speaking the this truth I didn't even know I was speaking, that I'm going to be bound forever and that freedom isn't possible. But I didn't say it in that ugly of a way. And I didn't even know that I was saying that. And then once I realized, oh my gosh, when I look in the, you know, when I look at, at different people's stories or say in the Bible or whatever it may be, there actually is freedom that is available. I just mm-hmm. didn't even know that it was possible. And so, you know, I stand now a man that, you know, I was on Paxil for, oh gosh, 13 years. And it's been, oh, one, two, it's been 10 months since I, I took it for 13 years and it's been 10 months since I've taken one and I'm, I'm, I'm living in freedom like I haven't before now, but you know, I want to make sure 
this caveat that I'm not saying to stop taking your Paxil right now if you're listening to this and you've been on that thing for 13 <laughs> years. There's ways I did it. You know, there's it's medication that was affecting me. And so I did it a certain way. And it was time for me to do that. It may not be time mm-hmm. for everybody to do that, but it is time for everybody to get to this one truth that you can find freedom from your anxiety. In a way, with all this stuff going on on your inside that didn't really mesh with your outside, you said you were feeling like a fraud. I think that a ton of people feel that way. That, boy, if people only knew what was going on inside me. Tell us about that experience of, of feeling like a fraud, especially when you're as up and in front of people as you are. Yeah, you know, um, it, there was this constant fear that I was going to get found out. And I'm not talking about found out for some major, hairy, uh, thick spider. You know, I'm not talking. I'm talking about found out that that I'm just a fraud. That I'm really I'm faking it. Like I don't, you know, I don't feel like a when I get up on stage in front of ten thousand people. I uh, you know a lot of times I have to fight the lie that I, I don't even know how I got here. I don't even did I fake my way? Did I trick everybody? into believing that in some way, shape or form, I know, um, I, I know what I'm doing. And, and so those, those moments of feeling like a fraud are moments that small spiders can be birthed. Now mm-hmm. you've, we've got our big spiders, right? We've got these big hairy lies of God has abandoned me. I mean, that was a massive, massive lie, but here's, here's a great example. Three weeks ago, I'm speaking at a conference and there's a friend of mine named John Acuff. He's a New York times bestselling author. He's a, um, you know, he's, he's this business super smart entrepreneur guy. And he is as witty as witty gets. He's an incredible communicator. And I was to speak right after John. And then right after me, another friend of mine named Bob Goff was to speak after me. And he, Bob is like a, this, this grandpa that everybody loves. And he's so eloquent with his words. And I, I suddenly, when I saw the, the list and the order of which the conference was supposed to go, I immediately came up with with this lie in my head. Oh my gosh, like, why am I even here? John's speaking before me. Bob's speaking after me. People are going to realize I'm a fraud. <laughs> this is not like, good. Yeah. Th- th- this, I, I'm set up for failure. I'm set up here like, I can't believe they did this to me. You know, and so suddenly, what am I doing? I'm, I'm speaking lies. I'm speaking lies. And suddenly these lies start becoming more true and more true. And it did not take seven days of therapy or seven years of therapy for me to realize, oh my gosh, I'm uttering lies with my lips. I need to crush these lies, okay, reject these lies and replace them with truth that I am I am made specifically for my purpose. I'm not supposed to be John, I'm not supposed to be Bob, but I'm supposed to be me and these people are going to get something from me. So when I and so that that's what I did. I killed it. I killed those spiders that were hatching right then and there. It didn't take years of therapy in order to pull that off. Carlos, what I would love for you to do is um I want you to turn wherever it is you're sitting and I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say, I'm good enough. I'm <laughs> smart enough. And doggone it. People like doggone it. Oh, people, I, hold on. Let me, let me, let me lower my, my resolution on my laptop screen so I can see it. Uh-huh. So right. good. You talk about freedom from the anxiety. I think a lot of people would love a little bit more definition of freedom. I mean, is it complete remission or is it this side of heaven? Good Will question. you kind of experience it sometimes? Kind of speak to the to and define the freedom that you've experienced. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a great question. Um, the freedom that I've experienced has been massive, and what I realized that it's been actually a shift. So it, it's been a shift in freedom from fear. Okay, 
freedom from fear of my anxiety. So let me, let me put it this way. I will still, I will still get heart palpitations out of the blue. I'm just talking with my son and my heart will palpitate because my adrenal glands in some way, shape or form have been screwed up and my brain is telling it panic. And whereas before I would have, that would have happened to me and I would have been gripped in fear the next three days that it was going to get worse. Freak out about freaking out. Yes. Freak out about freaking out. Right now, the freedom I'm experiencing is it comes and I'm like, oh, that's fine. And it's gone. And so I am no longer gripped by the fear. Ride the wave. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Because our humanity, we're broken and and our bodies are broken. And and so there's things that are, I'm just, I've been living in in a year of freedom of fear, from fear and worry. And fear and worry that used to grip me are no longer there. I'm not talking about physical manifestations of anxiety. Now, can, can, can those go away? Sure. Absolutely. Have they completely gone away for me? No. Have they massively taken a shift towards going away? Yes. And I think once, once I got a hold of my fear, then those physical manifestations began to slowly fade. But again, this side of heaven, we're, 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 we're still broken and flawed and, and our, um, we're, we're going to be gripped by some things. You mentioned, and real quickly before you, we let you go within your book, the concept of approval addiction. I think that in a social media-driven world, uh, we certainly can desire approval. In fact, Jimmy, I think daily checks our followers. Yeah, you're gonna get what you're gonna get one more when my mom listens to the podcast. Yeah, we, so I'm just want to let you know, Josh, we broke twenty. We broke twenty yeah, just this now. Morning, huh? Anyway, speak to that approval addiction that I think so many people speak about or uh, fear. Yeah, yeah. So, so that approval addiction again to, to qualify it or quantify it with, with the metaphor we're using, killing the spider, that, that's a cobweb, okay? Th- those are, social media um, is a cobweb that can be produced from, from a lie. And the lie is gonna be different for, for ed- anyone listening, but there's a reason why we, we go to our phones to check the number of followers, to check, um, to, to check our statistics on whether or not somebody has opened Instagram, touched their finger on their screen two times to deliver a heart onto our Instagram profile to make us feel mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form loved. And, it does. you know, we, it does. we laugh at it, but it does, right? We laugh yeah. at it, but it's like, oh man, how, this one got, this one got 17 likes, but my last one got two. Wow. Uh-huh. What can I do now sure. to, to get my, to get my next photo to get 35. And so what happens is a tool that was created so that we could, um, so that we could be in in communication with each other or other people we love has has taken a turn and and can easily turn into a cobweb when when it suddenly it is starting to define our identity and it is starting to define who we are and so it, it, here's the thing not every not every cobweb is going to come out um, start off being a sinister thing so. Um, I tell people all the time that that we have all been given desires inside of our hearts. And so everybody has desires that bring you peace, bring you joy, bring you even freedom. And so, you know, for instance, I have recently in the last two years really enjoyed fly fishing. I get out there. I love it. It brings me peace. It's like it, it brings me a cadence in my life that normally isn't there. And so I love it. Well, where it can turn into a cobweb, right? This is a good thing. But where it can turn into a cobweb is when I start using fly fishing to medicate not, me not wanting to be home because yeah. I, I may be angry at my, my wife and kids. And so I, I start agreeing with a lie that, man, if I go, if I go fly fishing, then I'm going to be able to spend time away from them. And we start seeing things that were initially great, yeah. good desires exactly. turn 
into cobwebs. Social media, it's a great way for um, for us to stay in touch with our family and our friends. It, it's a beautiful thing, but it can turn into a cobweb when we let it start defining and ruling our lives. Well, we say that, you know, that Satan's a pervert. He takes good things and he perverts them uh, into things that are bad for us. And we have come to, uh, hold on a second. Oh, there we go. There it is. This is so weird that you're doing with this Carlos on the line. Uh, oh. I, I, whatever's happening right now, I'm in. Okay. Because <laughs> in. this is the time in our show when I announce whether you made my favorite guest list. <laughs> and and oh, here it comes, because I punched in Mexican Fiesta. <laughs> yeah. Here it comes. So I, I'm here to announce that you made my favorite uh, guest list. Now, this is what this means. So you need to start getting excited now, because the next time you're in Austin, I'm taking you to Enchiladas y Mas on me. Oh, oh my <laughs> okay? God. You, you live in Nashville. Uh, imagine right now balloons falling from the ceiling. You got it? Okay. So the next what, what makes this even more valuable to me is that I actually can't even hear what noise is playing behind you. It just kind of oh, sounds no. like something's you couldn't something hear my squealing. Song. <laughs> my Mexican Fiesta fanfare song. But, yes, but, but oh. I slowly but surely realized it, it is a Mexican Fiesta song, which is what you've told me. So that that that's why this is even, okay. even more of an incredible okay. moment for me. But the well, next you time to... you're in Austin, it's on me. Okay. Well, the next time will be the second time, so. He makes you order from the kids' menu, so I hope you don't mind. <laughs> it's, it's not like it's going to set me back a lot, but still, I'm going to take you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited about your enchiladas, so right. thanks thanks so much, buddy. Carlos, you are fantastic. If you want Seriously. more information about Carlos, it is carloswhitaker.com. You can check him out on Instagram and Twitter. It is Los Wit, and then Facebook, simply search Carlos Whitaker. And kill the spider. Go get it. Come kill October. the spider. Yeah, and killthespider.com is where you can go and, and find out all the deets on it, so. Hey, Carlos, Carlos you're so much. the best. Thank you. Hey, thank you, guys. I'm going to get off and let you talk about me behind my back now. You know, I so enjoyed him that, whew, and I don't say this lightly, Matt Sell Rancho. I might take him to Matt Sell Rancho. <laughs> mm-hmm. There, I said it. I'm on the record. I said so, it. He was great. Yeah. I, you know, I... I was writing in my margins, and I couldn't keep up with the truth he was giving us. I mean, the idea of the spider being an, an agreement you make with a lie. Yeah, that's really good. The cobwebs being medicating behaviors you use for false comfort. Yep. Ultimately, I love that he clarified this. The fact that it's not freedom and that you just feel perfect the rest of your life mm-hmm. when you find that freedom. It's freedom of the fear of the anxiety. Yes. Very so nice. he experiences anxiety from time to time, but it's he's he's he he is, doesn't freak out about freaking out. And so many people, especially guys, you know, their idea of working on themselves, you know, whatever is, oh, if I'm doing something bad, I stop. Okay, anything else? It's just this. It, it's a simplistic view. You know, if we have a destructive behavior or a destructive thinking pattern. It's not enough to simply have abstinence from that behavior or thinking pattern. It's, it's what was inside of us that created the opportunity for that destructive behavior or thinking pattern to arise. That's where you got to get to. When we're dealing with uh, teenagers here at the Timothy Center and, you know, oppositional defiant kids, you know, we'll always tell parents, you know, we're going to start with how do we, how do we get outward compliance? 
you know, to, to just normal behavior. But you never stop with outward compliance. You got to get to the heart of the matter. What's setting this kid up to behave this way? And I love that, that you can't stop with stopping the behavior. To kill a spider. I did that again on purpose this time, though. Uh, it is kill, Gregory Peck. <laughs> kill the spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it might one day j- be just as famous yeah, as yeah. to kill a Absolutely. mockingbird. A mockingbird. Guys, I know you want more information about Carlos, so definitely check out his website. If you want any links to what we talked about, paradoxpodcast.com. You can check out the show's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter page, as well as us individually, Jimmy and Josh. I think the race for more followers, I think, sadly, Jimmy's winning. Yeah. So I think I am struggling with more of a cobweb of approval. But what you don't know you is... Are. I've got this cool site that's like somewhere in the Philippines that adds like, to your followers. Oh yeah, like two ninety five. <laughs> I can get like a thousand followers. So it's all everyone talks about how hard it is to get followers. Like, are you kidding me? Do I? I just, mean, this didn't even set me back lunch money. <laughs> Do I just Google Filipino followers? Yes, that's what you did. Okay, guys, <laughs> we enjoyed it today. Have a good day. Have fun. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. I felt like I was really good at forgiveness. Right. Because again, yes. You know, the knowledge and just me being the person that I Holy. am. Yeah. Being a holy person. I thought I was really good at forgiveness. What dawned on me is I wasn't actually forgiving anything. So historically in Katie and I's marriage, things would happen, small grievances. And while I thought I was removing them from my mind and that was forgiveness, emotionally, I was keeping track of them. 